Well, welcome back. How are you, brother? I'm excited, bro. It's Tuesday morning. Um, we normally do this, or we've tried to do this on Monday, so we'll, we'll try to see how much coffee will help us uh, recall. Um, but uh, I'm excited. It's it's a good day. It's a it's a difficult day, right? We're both wearing maroon, um, obviously, yes. with, I believe, at least for me, I'm assuming for you, with Uvalde in mind uh, this morning. Yes. Um, uh, but God is good. So how are you? I'm doing great. Um, Labor Day was anything but restful, but it was it was good, a good break from the routine, which is good. Uh, although I will say this, I really missed doing this on Monday. So yeah. we we're gonna pretend today's Monday. It's all great. No, and we're not. We're, we're not okay. We're not gonna we're pretend, not gonna it's, pretend Monday. it's Monday. It's Monday, dude. Don't <laughs> you don't tell somebody on Tuesday we're gonna pretend it's Monday. That's I mean, that's, that's a whole that's twenty-four a hours scene. going back. Yeah, man. Like you, you just moved me that further away from Friday. Like, why? Well, for us, it's Thursday because technically Sunday is our Monday. Just saying. <sighs> See, now you're just throwing it all off, bro. Um, I know. Mm. Anyway, coffee break. <laughs> all right. So, um, we uh, we still have things to celebrate. As we come into this particular podcast, um, again, um, prefacing this by saying, it ain't us, <laughs> but yeah. God is doing an, an amazing work in, in our midst, and we rejoice knowing that it comes from one thing, one thing alone. It's the proclamation of this book. Mm-hmm. And so why, why don't you share with those that take time to listen to us what's going on, what happened Sunday, and then we'll go into the questions about the service. Yeah, so so Sunday was, was awesome in uh, the form of blessing that uh, we had the privilege to baptize a, a husband and wife um, whom uh, we, well, I guess we met uh, about a month ago formally. Um, uh, the the husband changed both of our oil uh, in our vehicles mm-hmm. uh, on the same day. It's not that we coordinated that, um, but we came to discover this past Sunday that uh, that that, the, that this family had visited us by just using our parking lot and playing over the summer. And so, um, so we had the privilege of baptizing the the husband and wife, um, and uh, then one of their sons came forward in response to to the message uh, on Sunday, and so that was awesome. And then. Also, an independent family from from this is a, a mother and and her son came forward in response to the gospel as well. So, in the coming weeks, we will have. Well, I mean, we already do have three new disciples of the Lord, but we'll have the privilege of welcoming welcoming them into membership through baptism in the next couple of weeks. So it's um, it's exciting stuff, just exciting and humbling stuff to be in the presence of God saving. Um, that I don't know his how own. to say it. Yeah, say yeah. his own. Yes. Um, I I don't know for you. I know for me when we come into witnessing, uh, number one, the result of evangelism, personal, corporate, where for example, going out door to door and just not saying, "Hey, we want you to come to church because you're gonna burn in hell." That's not what we do, but simply saying, "Hey, we are here to pray for you if you have a, a prayer need." Uh, and we just want to let you know that we love you enough to come out and say we would love for you to come and visit and see what what God is doing in our midst. Right. Um, 
as well as for me on the back side of that uh, it's almost like a Moses moment before the the burning bush uh, take off your sandals for you're walking on holy ground not saying that the sanctuary is holy in that regard but rather the presence of God uh, to save his children in such a meaningful manner so I don't know just sharing my own thoughts and the way my my brain works pray for me folks pray for me yeah. um, but anyway uh, again let, let's come back to the formalities uh, so as I'm looking on screen right here is Pastor Dan. Pastor Dan is the senior pastor, lead pastor of First Baptist Church Divine in Divine, Texas. And I am Carlos Garduño. I have the pleasure of being the associate pastor of families and just other duties as assigned. That's that's where things go in this case. Um, I almost got pie to the face, but he was magnanimous enough to take two pies to the face for VBS. So anyway, uh, we it's an honor to, to see you and to, and to greet you. Um, before we begin with the actual review of the service and the sermon and expounding more on that, hearing from the brother Dan, I would encourage those who are viewing us, uh, if you have questions about current issues uh, and particularly about scripture references, things that you may not have a full grasp on, not saying that we have full a full grasp or total grasp on it ourselves, but we want to learn alongside you and journey together. So if you have any of those, I invite you to send them via email. Uh, you can do that by going to info at fbcdivine.org, O-R-G, or you can go to our website, and our website is www.fbcdivine.org. And I know there's going to be a banner. I'm just saying it right now. Uh, or you could just make it less complicated and say, hey, you're watching us on YouTube. Comment on there's, the video. Okay, we, we need to turn those on. We will turn on the, yeah. com the comments. Yeah, just just make it easy. Um, okay, like, we will do just that. Com comment, just, just comment, comment, comment below, us, folks. I also would um, so, like for yeah. you to go and visit our website, come and visit our platform so you can see what, what we're all about. Anyway, I and mean, there's nothing, just let there's us nothing know. wrong with that. Just don't complicate simple. it. Just, simple. Simple. Keep comment simple. below. Folks, if all you right. have questions, uh, comment. Comment That's below. It. There you go. Comment, comment below. below. Yeah. All right. So anyway, with that being said, we want to hear you from you and we want to grow alongside you. Now, with that being said, let's go into our series uh, we are continuing on the one-year chronological reading plan, and Pastor Dan was shook <laughs> by the transition music. <laughs> yeah. So, Pastor Dan, uh, Psalm 137, uh, on my copy of God's Word, it says, How shall we sing the Lord's song? Question mark. Um, why or how is it that God led you to take us through that one chapter? in the economy of all the readings from seven days sure so it's it's a psalm of lament um it comes as a uh, if you uh, become a, a student of the psalms it is a psalm that is known as a or classified under an imprecatory psalm or is what i will just say generically an angry psalm um and so that, You'll, if you get to know me, you'll know I have a, a twisted sense of humor. And so my, my immediate answer is to say um, it, it came Saturday night after the accumulation of my high school alma mater and my bachelor's study alma mater, both losing football games uh, on Friday and Friday and Saturday. So 
Um, that's where it came. It's just my anger and furiousness at the fact that they're, like all my teams are, are winless right now. Um, um, but more seriously, um, it came about um, really more in the trajectory of what we've been studying from the pulpit uh, over the last five or six weeks, I would say. Um, you know, as we've walked through the Bible chronologically, uh, we have seen um, God from uh, creation as creator of all things um, demonstrate to his creation who he is and what his character is. Um, and I mean, there are so many adjectives that we can use to describe uh, the, the nature and character of God, but uh, and uh, most often we, we will summarize that as holy and faithful and loving and whatnot. And so as we've read along, we've seen God's faithfulness, God's, uh, God's long suffering, his patience. Um, but in recent weeks, we have seen uh, God as loving father uh, promising, really promising and forecasting the need for uh, discipline for his covenant people because of their disobedience and fulfilling their end of the covenant. Um, and so we've been walking along uh, specifically uh, these the last month preceding Psalm 137, uh, looking at um, what God is communicating to his people through a prophet named Jeremiah, um, recounting that, uh, that God is able to restore them uh, if they would return to him. Um, recounting the necessity for God's people to remain faithful to the God of the covenant um, and the, the God of the word uh, who has given his word and expects obedience uh, from his children if he's redeemed them, if he's saved them, if he's delivered right. them. Um, and then uh, to see that just acts of obedience or acts of faith are few and far between as there's this continued spiraling down, so to say. Um, and now we're at the point where that that discipline has been exacted as we enter into this psalm. Um, so what what uh, what the prophets, uh, particularly um, not exclusive to, but particularly Jeremiah, were forewarning was the demise of the divided kingdoms of Judah and Israel. Um, and that comes about um, after a, a long period of waiting, a long period of promising. Uh, it does come. Uh, and I don't want to, um, to, to make light of this by, by humanizing this too much, but it's the same way that we warn our kids. I think about me as a father, like uh, I'm telling my daughters, if you don't, then there are consequences. If you don't, you know, that you'll you'll lose access to these things or this will be met with some measure of discipline. And eventually, um, eventually you, you've got to follow through on that. And that's that's what happens. Um, and so we enter into a scene um, of where God's people are in the course of that discipline. So in answering your question, um I'm led to it because it's it's the next natural step in the trajectory of the promise of exile um, that that God had warned His covenant children about um, to the reality of exile 
and what it means to be estranged from God. Yeah, I think uh, one of the things that sometimes um, falls um, upon us with deaf ears, um, and you address this in the sermon almost towards the, the end of it, like the second half, is the idea that we need to be awareness of our humanity. You you said we need to be aware, we need to embrace our humanness, um, not try to shove it away, you know, brush it under the rug. Um, as disciples of Christ, uh, and, and even even beyond that, as pastors and and men who are called to to this heavenly calling, how can we encourage the church to embrace their humanity, but also have the healthy tension that comes from, yes, I'm a human being, but I'm being sanctified. Yes, I'm a human being, um, but I have been redeemed. Well, so two questions, I think, in there. So I want to try to address the, the, the first of how do we embrace our humanity or our humanness? Um, and there's a couple of ways that we might see this not being embraced um, that I, I can think of. Um, one is through, um, and this isn't just particular to today, that this is a, a scenario that has, has been uh, the, the folly of man throughout time. Um, and so what I'm thinking of right now is our innate spiritual blindness that would, uh, that would tell us that we are able um, and capable of exacting our own redemption or through our own ability, able to affect what lays beyond death for us. Um, and so what, I, what I'm pointing to is this notion that uh, in, in church life, we, we will call um, works-based salvation. But what I'll say in, in just trying to, to put this in, in um, more uh, graspable terms is you, you might believe that there is a God, or, or maybe even whether you, you, you're not sure that there's a heavenly deity, uh, you, you, you do believe that there's something beyond this life. Um, and you, in, in entering into that next stage of life, um, you acknowledge that there's something that has to occur that would maybe earn your way there or merit your ability to enter that, that realm. Um, and one of the, the ways that we, we, I think, deny our humanness is we try to overcome the fact that we cannot do that in our own ability by assuming we can. Um, so we try to live good lives uh, according to whatever standard of good we determined to be good. Um, and that can be something like, you know, uh, uh, I don't know, um, you know, picking up kittens whenever we see them or uh, serving in soup kitchens or um, donating clothes or being charitable to, um, to pet organizations, um, opening our homes to homeless, whatever that might be. 
And those are all really, really good things. Right. But the accumulation of those good things do not uh, result in uh, a, some meritous value at the end of life that would say, okay, you've earned your way. Right. Uh, Which I think, no, go ahead. So that, that, that is one aspect of um, not embracing or denying our humanness um, is that we cannot. And now there, there's, there needs to be connection to scripture in answering this. Um, But that, that is to say in the course of exacting this, um, this blindness, it is to deny what we find um, in in the within the scriptures that all have fallen short of the glory of God. That we cannot redeem ourselves. That right. it is it is through faith alone in Christ alone, uh, in confessing that He is Lord and that He has been risen from the grave. That that through His atoning work that the the debt of sin that we have against God because we've each sinned in our own nature right. um, that, that that is what um, that is what divides us from from that heavenly reality or keeps us out if you will using that language um, and it is only through God's own effectual work uh, that through faith, we can be made righteous or we can be justified, not because we've done anything, but because he has. That's one aspect right. of um, embracing humanness. On the other side of it, uh, so that that's with respect to just salvation, maybe, um, that, I, that I often find is a, a dividing point for folks. Um, the other side is this idea that we, I, I kind of call it the um, the Kennedy family portrait, right? So you see on the, I think it's Life magazine in the 50s, right? You have uh, JFK and, and, and his wife and his children, and there's just this picturesque um, image or portrayal of classic Americana and the perfect family. Right. Um, the Camelot now, years at the, the White the House. Camelot years. Yeah, there you go. Uh, that's uh, the Camelot years. That, um, and so we convey this message that we are wholesome and we are pure and that we are good, um, but we're also really not dealing with any of our issues. I don't mean right. to, to run down anybody in the course of this, but just using that example, we know um, from history, um, from, from accounts that JFK is, uh, uh, consumes a, quite a bit of alcohol, is a philanderer, his wife is dealing with bouts of depression, and these are things that wind up affecting the lives of their children um, in, in very significant ways. So the outward appearance that we've got it all together is vastly different than what the, the, the inward reality is. And so the, the, the thing about embracing our humanness uh, in this regard is to say, God created us. We don't need to deny the full range of who we are. 
Um, it, so God created us, and I don't want to make this a, a really sideways conversation because th this this can actually open up a lot of rabbit trails for for us to to chase down. He created right. us as emotional beings. He created us as sexual beings. He created us as these these facets of humanity that, at times, even Christians struggle with um, an awareness of how to express. And so we are very happy to celebrate joyous occasions. We're very, we're very content to outwardly talk about what makes us happy or joyous or brings us to a celebratory state. Um, but on the other end of the emotional spectrum, we stay in solitary confinement when it comes to that which we struggle with, that which we uh, grieve over, um, that which gives us pain, sadness, uh, because we're supposed to be happy. Uh, I think about um, if you've been in a hospital setting, um, at the uh, at the on the wall uh, just to, that's opposite the bed that the patient is in, there's that typically a dry erase board that will have uh, for the for at least the patient's benefit, if not others in the room, um, the, the the room number, the uh, phone number to the room, the date, uh, the attending physician's name, the the immediate charge nurse's name, and then this uh, thing that goes from like zero to ten. And the zero yeah, the is pain a, scale. You know, very, the, the pain scale, the very sad, frowning, tearful face, uh, or, or I guess that's the happy face. And then the, the 10 is a very sad, you know, because that's a, a, like immense pain. Um, and what, what, we, what I find is that we're communicating through there some expectation that we will never, that we should not feel pain. Um, so we medicate to the point where we don't feel pain. Um, or we communicate um, through our actions that we're not dealing with stuff uh, as emotional beings, like that we're not struggling because we've got to give this appearance that we've got it all together, um, that we're Ken and Barbie or we're JFK and, 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 and Jackie Kennedy on Life magazine, that we are perfect and picturesque. Or right. our, on our Instagram accounts, we're, we're you know, snow bunnies in, in Colorado, or we're on some amazing beach in Destin with emerald waters, and we're just living our best lives now. Right. Well, if that was true, <laughs> why would God become flesh and dwell among us? Why would right. he meet us in our darkest hour? Um and so we, we, we struggle with these things. And so we, we deny our humanness in the need for a savior, really. And we deny our humanness in the full extent of who we are as created beings in the God-given gift of emotions, um, only communicating publicly what <clears throat> society just deems as acceptable, which is joy and happy and content. Um, but not owning the fact that there are things that we struggle with. Um, so in, in, in bringing this to a word you used, uh, which is sanctification, which is a, uh, I, I classify that's a $7 theological word. Um, it's not $2, it's not $10, it's seven. Um, right. 
but that is a that is a word uh, that means for the person who's been redeemed that it is a a work of the spirit of god um, who's begun a good work in us to continue that good work in us where day by day or season by season challenge by challenge he's growing us in the likeness of jesus christ um so how does that relate to sanctification um the, this idea of embracing our humanness with respect to emotions um, is to say that in our depth of sorrow and pain, we can, we can and should remember that Christ encountered sorrow and pain far greater than ours. Right. I mean, you, you, you go to John chapter 17 and you think of the, uh, the prayer there the depth and sorrow uh, uh it's recounted that he was sweating uh drops of blood so intense was his grief in that moment um as he knew what lay before him just hours before the cross um you think about the the depth and sorrow as the father in heaven the first person of the trinity looks upon the second person of the trinity taking and going to that cross, the grief, knowing that that, that Godhead would be severed momentarily, knowing that the, that what that if God is love, that an aspect of that would be lost, um, it would be returned. But you, I mean, there's just that. Um, also, knowing that God uses those moments to grow us. Um, it's through what gives us grief and sorrow and loss that God is near us. It's in that awareness of that, coming to that knowledge that he is near us, he is with us, and he intends to use even these darkest moments for good for those who are called according to his purpose. I think something that... And, and thank you for the, that answer. I think it's important for us, as you pointed out, um, to go back to Scripture, like you said in, in John 17. We also see the the, the prayerful um, engagement between Father and Son. Father, if, we, if it be possible, uh, take this cup away from me. But not, and, and I think this is where we can see a perfect example of how Christ, fully God, fully man, depicts for us what it means to be aware of your humanity, your humanness, and how you can surrender it to God because of the deep level of trust that is between you as a subject to the King of Kings. Um, because again, if it's possible, take it away from me. Yet not my will, but your will. Um, I think that's a, that's a beautiful picture of that. Um, also thinking back um, just just to the text, which I, I will read from uh, the ESV today, I, I, I particularly am taken by this particular, the opening, the first three verses, by the waters of Babylon, there we sat down and wept when we remembered Zion. On the willows there we hung up our lyres, for there our captors required of us songs, and our tormentors mirth, saying, 
sing as one of those songs of Zion. Um, which again, you, you, I think you did a fantastic job presenting the, the fact that they're just, they're, they're rubbing salt on the wound. They're pouring lime and lemon juice into it. Um, how, what is a believer, a disciple to do in the face of a culture that would do the same thing today? Uh, for example, you might you you may you may see for example where Christians are not allowed to proselytize because it's not becoming in a public setting, especially say working for a corporation, working for the government, um, and to a lot of people that's almost seen as a victory of evil. So how are we to apply this? contempt upon Christianity, similar to the contempt of the Babylonian captors upon the life of the the kingdom of Judah that had been conquered and finally broken into pieces? Well, I want to make um, one, one point about the text that I think is needful to express in order to answer your question. Sure. Um, so you're you're pointing to their uh, Judah, the people of Judah's uh, dis, not disdain, their 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 grief, their suffering, their pain, their torment, as they are now firmly like sixteen hundred miles away from home, uh, doing labor on behalf of their captors' nation, right? Um, and they are taking a break. Um, I mean, that's sort of the scene. And their captors are saying, hey, sing us one of the songs of your place, of your nation. Now, these songs were intended to be songs of praise, songs that they would have sung on their way to, to the temple, or if you like, for, for you and I, uh, songs that we would sing on the way to church. Right. Songs that uh, are edifying to the Lord to ourselves as well as we sing uh, sing of his mercies or we sing of his grace and his faithfulness um, right. yet they're not able to sing these because they've been estranged from God um, they, they can't sing them because they that, that, that the place where God dwelled in Zion has been leveled uh, as for for their understanding that 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 place in Zion was supposed to be the throne of Yahweh, and so they they would enter into this place to to sing praises to their king, but they'd forgotten him. Um, so they abandoned a relationship that the King of Kings extended to him, extended to them. And all, I mean, maybe I'm at risk of really simplifying this, but what God has done in the course of this exile is said, okay, you abandoned this relationship. Let's just really put some distance in this thing. Let, let me make you feel this, this, your end of the abandonment. Right. Um, now, the, the pivot here is, 
I mean, Jeremiah prophesied about this. Ezekiel prophesied about this. Um, there, there's a nuance uh, getting to your your question now about how is the Christian or the disciple of Jesus to to respond to the disdain of the world in the workplace or the school setting or wherever. Um, that the nuance here is that you and I and whomever has been redeemed of the Lord are temples of God unto ourselves. And yes, when we gather, we are a temple as well. We are the body of Christ. And so the, the difference is that you and I are indwelled by very God in the third person of the Trinity, that being the Holy Spirit. Amen. And so this this element of estrangement for the people of Judah is not true for you and I, because we're indwelled by the Spirit of God. Um, so with that being said, that being acknowledged, in order to persevere or to endure in these dark days, it's to call upon that relationship that the Spirit of God has affected in writing the law of God upon our hearts and giving us new hearts and in calling us into salvation. Um, so as to say, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm someone who, who spent many a year in a corporate setting. I, I found myself um, falling before the Master very often. Um, retreating to, to places of solitude, even in my work setting, to open my Bible and to read and to pray. I mean, if, if, if people can get a smoke break, I, I, I could take my version of that to go get renewed and encouragement from the Father in, with whom I have a relationship with be, through His Son. Um, so it's 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 in answering your question it's it's to to truly depend upon that relationship that he's given to us that he's established um and it's it's a relationship when we connected this text that judah herself had abandoned but it's a relationship that that you and i um, may neglect at times um, but will not feel the same extent of estrangement that the people of God did here. Um, but it's it's to it's to to depend upon that relationship that uh, that God has has given us. Right, and the reason being that, uh, for example, when people read this passage, which upon closing your sermon yesterday, you were very adamant to point that the Bible in no way, shape, or form uh, endorses any type of violence against anyone, primarily children. And again, I think that the message was timely, as God would have it, because of today, uh, where Uvalde Consolidated Schools are going back into session. And even this morning, as you are... You and I find ourselves at 4 a.m. over at the fitness center, and it works better for some than for others, so it's okay. Um, 
we see this, uh, the, the news media constantly making a thing of the tragedy, saying, yes, the family already had funerals, but the fences are not up yet. Or, you know, there's still much work to do in all the different campuses. They haven't fully completed the, the preparations for everyone coming back to school. And that's just addressing one uh, situation that happened here in the last four months in Texas. It's almost it's almost like either we enjoy the attention that comes from an ongoing bringing to our attention how things are not prepared for and acknowledged. Um, again, dealing with evil in the world, but also trying to constantly. It almost feels like there's this ongoing thing of when's the next shoe going to drop in the sense of the closing of this particular uh, psalm. Um, Blessed shall be he who takes your little ones and dashes them against a rock. Uh, this indignation and how we can take that and surrender it as an act of worship. And so I, I think that's something that not many people address. I, I think that's especially from a pulpit. Um, we don't address, hey, let's preach ourselves happy. Let's let's talk about Psalm 137 and see what the Lord does with it. Um, as disciples of Christ, how can we better learn and apply the surrender of our upside down emotions? Let's let's title them that way or just our negative emotions like anger, uh, rancor, uh you know, sadness, how can we use them as an act of worship before God? Um, I guess, look, I, I just want to affirm what you were talking about with the struggle that surrounds today. Um, you know, I, I, I was seeking the Lord's guidance and preparing uh, a message from this text, knowing full well that we were going to introduce an element in our worship service on Sunday that was reserved specifically for prayer for Uvalde schools for this day. Right. Um, and there were many a thought that came up in my mind. Um, I remember the night of May 24th, um, those first names start coming out and you go into May 25th and you, you, we all know full well who did what, who was affected. Um, and in my mind, if you move that from Uvalde to Divine, that very well is my wife and children, right? Um, right. So there's anger, <laughs> there's, uh, there's concern that just comes up with me personally. Um, one, of my, one of my favorite preachers, um, when he speaks about the, the discipline of preaching um, and the act of preaching from the preacher, he, he refers to it as preaching to oneself first. Um, and then even in the course of that, preaching to oneself in front of others. Right. And so in some way, um, this, this, uh, 
dealing with the negative emotions that this was something for me to deal with my negative emotions um because you're right in that we're in a we live in a society that uh has an interest in negative things has an interest from from an observer's point of view in matters of death um but wants to be in the nosebleed seats um and wants to find fault and someone to pin things on so as to exact blame to to enact justice as we understand justice and this text in the awareness of what's gone on in Uvalde and what we've learned um, and who did what and who didn't do what um, met me in a very heightened negative emotional state and something I've known um, but the, the Lord affirmed to me in preparing for this and preaching to myself this is that these in, in embracing my humanness not denying my anger not denying my grief not denying my sadness but in in embracing it and coming to terms with it and facing it um it became an act of worship and surrendering those negative emotions to him um I didn't I didn't say this specifically from the pulpit because I I feared that it would become too focused on me um but I'm angry and I and I'm the Lord's working with me on this working on me and in me about this I am angry at the thought that my wife who's in a public school educator every morning when I kiss her goodbye it could be our last and I it's not just the 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 obvious reality that every day could be our last I'm not saying that but it's right. by her vote by the the nature of her vocation as a public school educator that now there's this uh, assumed risk <laughs> as a teacher that she would play have to place her life um, in harm's way where I'm thinking and alive teachers from the from my generation or the generation that preceded them that wasn't an expectation that wasn't another duty as assigned um, I'm angry that that this is where society has gone all right um, that this is where the the snowball of sin has picked up such momentum these days I'm angry at that like like incredibly angered by it but the fact of the matter is if I and I want to be sensitive and, and not project too much or, or project sure. into what's going on in Uvalde as they deal with uh, consequences and react to right but if I took my anger to my less affected setting and tried to exact justice and my understanding of justice on this subject 
I would destroy relationships. Um, I would destroy my reputation, and it would not be for the cause of Christ. Uh, it would be a, a destruction of relationships and reputation really rooted in fears that are associated with my anger. Um, where my act of worship has become telling God exactly how I feel. Acknowledging, just as we see Judah exampling for us in this psalm, that they are confessing to God exactly how they feel. Using language to express their absolute rage. Because it's rage that would make you want to say, I want to take my captor's babies and dash them against the rocks. Right. But it's also, it's also a completely different uh, thing for the, someone who has uh, exposure to, to, to Christian circles to say, well, God knows how you feel. It's, it's a completely different thing to say that than to actually tell God how you feel. Right. And th this, is, this is that element of relationship, right? Um, and it is a relationship of intimacy because um, there, are, there are folks who, you know, I speak with that I share life with. And there are some who I am... Uh, down to minute detail, intimate with, that I will share exactly how I feel or exactly how I think. Um, and, in, and in the same sense, this is the, the type of relationship that a perfect father is inviting us to. To not just, not just by lip service say, well, God knows how I feel, but to tell him how I feel. Um, both in thanksgiving and uh, in gratitude uh, for his work in my life, for his saving me, for his provision, for his love, my love for him, the, my, my love for his love that I can't even begin to imagine the depth and magnitude of his love. But also to tell him exactly what angers me about this world. Because what I'm doing in that act of surrender and worship is now I'm entrusting that negative emotion or the source of that emotion to him. So using or uh, continuing with the illustration of Yovalde and a public school mass shooting and how it affects me as a person who has a public school teacher and young children. I, in the course of that act of surrender and worship, am entrusting that the Lord will accomplish his justice in his perfect time. I am trusting that, that he will bring fulfillment and completion and renewal to this world in his perfect time. Because, because I believe and affirm what Scripture teaches, he's brought all things into existence. He existed before time and creation. 
and he's going to bring this experience that we know is time to an end and he will return and make all things right and set all things new he is in the process of reconciling all things unto himself even now i'm awaiting that day but i know it will be i know that his scripture says that he will use all things for good for those who are called according to his purpose i don't know how but i'm not supposed to know how right the the call of the christian is to trust and to depend like to depend fully you know i, I often say um when it comes to matters of salvation i mean and by the way i shouldn't say i often say this is a scriptural truth we've entrusted our lives and our futures to him right right it is it is our lives that are in his hands when we have surrendered them to the lord right but in the course of his sanctifying us that seven dollar theological word again and in, in other words in the course of his um growing us into the likeness of jesus i have found that through seasons he grows me to trust and depend on him and in him in various aspects of my life he called me to ministry he says dan i'm i'm I, more or less, I, I'm, I'm calling you to trust me in this way. Um, when, when stewardship um, of gifts and resources became an obvious opportunity for growth for me as a disciple, that was a, uh, an invitation from the Father to, for me to trust him that he's going to continue to provide even though I'm giving to a church or an, another organization a part of what I've earned. Um, because in there, there's a recognition that he's provided everything and that he's even given me the, the, the uh, oxygen that I draw as breath even now. And so it's this um, dependence in the grace-based relationship that, I, that the Lord has, has given me. Um, so through these seasons, he's called me to trust and obey in new ways. Trust my 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 marriage with him, my my children with him, my employment with him, my my resources with him, um, uh, every last thing. And so this is a season in which we're learning to entrust, as odd as it sounds, the fullness of our humanity with him. And that right. which makes us innately human and separates us from the rest of creation and trusting that to him um, without embarrassment for, for how he's created us, but an acknowledgement of how he's created us, because this is one other element that only further um, invites us to that relationship. Because if we do not um, handle our humanness biblically, then we're walking around like with one of those vests you see in a movie that has nothing but grenades on it and it's kind of loose and they're dropping and the pins are falling out and we're, we're destroying things along the way. Right. I think, um, 
to the point you're making, um, which again, I think the, the sermon was timely. I think the elaboration on the points we've talked about today is very timely. To make sure that our audience understands this, it's not just for the nationally publicized crises, security crises, border crises. It, it goes even deeper than that. It's when we lose a loved one because they died of old age, when we lose a loved one because they were in an accident or they got sick and like that they were in God's presence or just right. died. Um any single change that introduces a, a big r rupture into our normalcy, that's where we can experience deep sadness, rancor, um, a number of emotions that can be used as a, a path of worship. And, and, and I think that's something that people say, well, my little piece of anger, because it's not connected to a big national event, it's it's not prominent before God. And, and so I think something that's important for us to ensure people hear through this is, no, it's even for the little things, as much as for the big things, uh, probably even more so because big things, people like, for example, uh, shootings, even thinking back to Columbine back in what, the 90s, late 80s. Um, and there you go. Oh, well, there you go. 99. So late 90s. Forgive me for that. Um, Looking back to Columbine, which most people uh, who study recent history say, well, that was the first national shooting that in, in modern history in a school. Uh, going back to that, 9-11, which we are very close to, those national moments of crisis, yes, they, they tend to bring us together and also open open the veil so that we can see that, oh, well, you bleed red, I bleed red. But for those who are in private or in very personal settings, it's also very important to know, hey, take it. It's okay for you to, to, to voice out to, to God, I'm feeling angry because of this, or I feel like I cannot go on because of this. I mean, we have many examples of this. Moses complained to God, the people that you have given me to lead, uh, Elijah I alone am left. No one else bends, bends the knee to you, O oh Lord. Go take a nap. Be replenished after you eat, and then I'll, I'll speak with you. Job, yeah, a whole book. Uh, you know, I mean, we have plenty of examples in Scripture where the, the negative or hard emotions that we are given by God are utilized to bring us to the Father and also to bring us to the awareness that we do need a Savior. And, as Paul tells the church at Thessalonica, that we don't want anyone to be uninformed. That as disciples of the risen Lord Jesus Christ, we are not those who grieve without hope. Without hope. Amen. That's the difference. Yeah. That's the difference for the Christian. It's whether it's death of a loved one, a, some other tragic situation, we have a hope that's beyond that moment, that's beyond even our own death. Right. We have a hope because of a perfect Father who loves us, who sent his perfect Son to die for us, 
who made him to rise from the grave right. and has given to us his perfect spirit that testifies to this truth um, so that we have relationship with him that empowers us, that sustains us, that keeps us, and makes us to endure the hardships and the negative emotions because we have a hope beyond today. That's right. Very much right. I think very fitting, um, Matthew chapter 6, verse 34. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Now, that's not to say, don't prepare. Trust in the Lord. Walk with Him. Learn to love Him and learn to trust Him, as Pastor Dan has encouraged us. Uh, Pastor Dan, do you have any other closing thoughts? Uh, anything else you'd like to address about, uh, not yesterday, but Sunday sermon? I don't think so, brother. Okay. So again, for those of you watching, we want to thank you for joining us again. Uh, again, very simple. Comment below. We want to hear your thoughts. We want to hear your questions and take a biblical look at how we can answer those uh, as we grow together in Christ. Um, in the meantime, this is Pastor Dan and Pastor Carlos, and we are so thankful that you are joining us today. We look forward to seeing you next week. Um, I don't know how next week's going to play out, but stick around. It'll be fun. Um, yep. Pastor Dunn is going to be uh, going to a retreat, and I'm looking forward to hearing how that's going to work out. In the meantime, rejoice with us. We will have another set of baptisms this Sunday. So praise God for his uh, amazing work. Uh, may we continue to faithfully obey him and, and follow him. All right. Well, Pastor Dan, why don't you... Sign us off. Sign off. <laughs> I don't know, bro.